Can we give you one and all a warm and friendly word of welcome to our service of worship today here in Hebron? We're going to commence our opening praise by turning to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength in straits a present aid. Therefore, although the earth remove, we will not be afraid. And we'll stand as we sing this praise together, please. turn in the scriptures to Psalm 142. It's the psalm for today. 
Psalm 142, and this is what the word of the Lord hath to say. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Ending our reading at verse 7, we trust that the Lord will add his own divine stamp of blessing and approval to the public reading of his precious word. Let's all bow together for prayer. Eternal Father, we do thank thee for this great psalm of David. Thank thee for that psalm that was written in the, the cave of Adullam when he was being hunted, as it were, as a partridge throughout the nation. And yet, Lord, whilst he was able to say here, no man cared for my soul, Lord, we know that wasn't true. The God of heaven had his eye upon David. The God of heaven was aware of his plight, of his problems, of his need. And Lord, we are conscious that as we gather before thee this day and our faces differ, so do our circumstances and so do our needs. We read in thy word that thou art acquainted with all of our ways. And so, Lord, we do pray that it might please thee even today to meet us at the very point of our need. As we gather for worship and come and sit under the sound of thy word, we do ask of thee that thou wilt close us in with thine offer of mercy. That there may be a conscious sense of the presence of our God. We do ask, Lord, that as thy servant in a short while will share with us the word of God, that word that thou hast placed upon his heart and his soul, we pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God might take up his own truth and apply it to our hearts and souls, that we might go away from this house knowing that God was here and he was here to bless. We do thank thee for thy hand of goodness bestowed to so many of us gathered in today. Thank you for that time when 
we came to a saving knowledge and into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus when we experienced for ourselves the new birth, were born of thy spirit and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. We do pray, Lord, that thou wilt keep us as a people in the centre of the will and the plan and the purpose of our God. And yet, Lord, we're, we're very conscious today that there may be those who once walked well with thee, who once sought to serve thee with not less than their all. Now they're away from the, the Father's tender, loving care, and it's all because of sin. We pray for the backslider this afternoon, and we do ask, Lord, that it might please thee to reunite the backslider with the one who loved them and gave himself for them. And then, Lord, we, we are very aware that there may be those that know nothing of the new birth. They gather with us for worship, but they, they know nothing of knowing Christ as Lord and as Saviour. And the desire of our hearts and souls this day would be that the Spirit of God might reach that individual. That this might be a day of new beginnings for those who are outside of Christ and that thou wilt be pleased to write new names in the Lamb's Book of Life. We do pray for our pastor and his wife out in Romania and we ask, Lord, that thou wilt be pleased to bless them and undertake for them Grant that they might know that underneath and round about it the everlasting arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that thou wilt be pleased to bless the ministry of our pastor. That he might have the joy of reaping where another hath so faithfully sown. We do think of those that mourn today. And Lord we do pray that thou wilt draw near to those whose hearts are heavy. They might be conscious of the sense of the presence of God, even in the midst of their circumstances. We just commit and we commend each one to thy care, to thy keeping. We think especially of Mrs. Kearns this afternoon on the loss of her dear brother. Pray that thou wilt be with our sister, that she might know the help of God the hand of God, even in her life at this time. We pray for her sister-in-law Enid, that thou wilt draw graciously near to her also. Think of the Walkinshaw family as well, our dear sister who served thee for many years in the Whitfield College of the Bible as matron. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt draw near to that family circle and that they might know the help of God and the hand of God even in these days. So, Lord, bless us as we, in a short while, consider thy truth. We thank thee for the one who thou hast brought into our midst. Thank thee for the day and hour when thou didst save our brother Stephen when thou didst call him forth into full-time service for the years of training, 
that he's completed in our Bible college, and we pray that thou wilt open before him an effectual door, and that very soon thou wilt reveal unto him the way in which thou wouldst have him go, and that thou wilt be pleased to guide him with thine eye. So bless us this day, and grant, Lord, that thou wilt come and take ownership of all that we would say and of all that we would do. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. Well, can we welcome you one and all to our service of worship here in Hebron today. A special word of welcome to those who are visiting with us. I understand that there are uh, folks in from our Carrickfergus congregation and we give you a special word of welcome. Of course, we always have our extended family who tune in to us on Sermon Audio, Facebook and YouTube. The Gospel service this evening takes place at 7pm. There is a season of prayer which takes place in the, the hall at the rear of the church at 6.30. Preacher in the will of God this evening will be our dear friend and brother, Mr Stephen Crawford, who will be preaching in a few moments' time. Refreshments will be served after the evening service, and the ladies of the congregation are encouraged to bring along perhaps a small tray of buns and a, a few bars so that we can have a season of fellowship together. On Tuesday, we have the senior fellowship that takes place at 11am. Youth Challenge has recommenced, and again, the boys and girls will gather at 7pm on Tuesday. Please pray that we may see many of them, yea, if not all of them, one for the Lord Jesus Christ, even in this next term of service. On Wednesday, of course, is the, the Ladies' Fellowship at 8pm. and We would encourage uh, all the ladies from the, uh, the fellowship here in Hebron to come out on Wednesday and, and to join in that meeting at 8pm. Uh, the speaker is going to be our sister, Linda Killen. And Linda's going to be speaking of how she came to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that she's now engaged in along with her husband, Chris. The soloist will be our sister, Hannah Armstrong. Uh, initially from our Macrofeld congregation, but I understand our sister is now living in Dungannon. On Thursday is the midweek a prayer meeting and Bible study at 8pm and in the will of the Lord we trust that our pastor will be back with us from the land of Romania. We will be having a special time of prayer for the Christian school. Friday we see the youth fellowship uh, at 8pm. Um, there will be a Bible study and it will be conducted by our brother Aaron McCauley. Friday is also the, the General Presbytery, which is due to take place. I think it's in our Cookstown congregation um, this Friday, and that will take place at 8pm. And then there is the open, open Air Witness, which will take place in the centre of the town this Saturday at 11am. Next Lord's Day, we always commence with that early morning of prayer at 8am. Sabbath school will be at 10.30, and again, if you know boys and girls that don't currently attend our Sabbath school, we would encourage you uh, to bring them along uh, to the service there at 10.30, uh, 
we have been greatly encouraged over the last number of weeks to see the new faces that the Lord has been pleased to bring in. The Bible class commences at 10.45 and we're going to deal with the subject of the backslider. What happens when Satan steals our song? And so that's what we're going to be dealing with in the will of the Lord next Lord's Day in Bible class. The worship service will take place at 12 noon and again we trust that our pastor will be with us. Family night service is at 7 p.m. Preceded by a time of prayer, the preacher will be Jonathan Whiteside and the soloist Kirsten McMullen. The Reverend Park will be preaching a, a mission that's organised by our Tandragee uh, congregation, so he'll be preaching at that um, next Lord's Day. We want to thank you for your tithes and offerings to the work of God here in Hebron. Today is our home mission outreach envelopes. They're due in today and next week will be the let the bible speak envelopes and the missionary covenant support please remember the hebron church christmas dinner in the macroboy house hotel it's due to take place on friday the 2nd of december the main course and desserts are all indicated on a list on the table at the rear of the church and can we encourage you if you intend to come along and join with us on that occasion to complete that form as soon as possible, please. The Balamina Bible Conference is currently taking place in our Balamina congregation. It commenced on Saturday the 29th of October and it will be running throughout this week, 8pm each evening and it concludes on Friday evening. The preacher is the Reverend John Wagner from our uh, one of our congregations in the United States and the subject that he's dealing with uh, a very um, I suppose important subject struggling saints how saints cope with many of the pressures that are brought to bear upon us in the day and age in which we live we want to extend as a congregation our sincere sympathy to Mrs. Cairns, we heard this morning of the death of her dear brother Jim, and so we would encourage uh, you to pray for our sister and her sister-in-law Enid. Um, I understand that Mrs. Cairns is currently up in, in Belfast visiting the family at this stage, so please pray for uh, the Cairns family and especially for Enid at this uh, time. And then we heard of uh, the passing of Mrs. Walkinshaw. Of course, she was the matron in the Whitfield College of the Bible for, for many, many years. A lady who entered into her 90s and she was called home just a few days ago. So please pray for the family circle of Mrs. Walkinshaw as well. We want to extend our congratulations to uh, our dear sister Lydia Moore who has reached a milestone in her life and we trust that God's richest blessings will be upon our dear sister. Please remember those who are on uh, our prayer list. There's a whole list of them. It, uh, it gets extended, I suppose, on a weekly basis. Uh, Dave Bevan and Joan Gibson, Ivor Buick, Jim McCauley 
And of course, as you read down through them, some of them have been on the list for, for many, many weeks and months. Please remember them in the place of prayer. Also pray for our sisters and brethren in Ukraine as well. We're now going to turn for our next hymn to hymn number 533, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. It is a great thrill, privilege and pleasure to welcome to our pulpit here in Hebron today Mr Stephen Crawford. Stephen is a, a member of our Macrofeld congregation. He entered the Whitfield College of the Bible the very same day as our brother Jonathan Storey entered. Both of them studied together 
Both of them have now completed their course. Both of them are now looking to the leading of the Lord in their life as to where the Lord would have them go. We want to bid you welcome, Stephen, to the pulpit here. We hope that you feel at home amongst us, and we're going to now loosen and let him go. Could you please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 1, please. And while you're finding the place, I would like to thank our brother, uh, Mr. Philip Moffat, for the very kind words of welcome. I'd like to thank your minister in his absence for the opportunity to be along here today and to minister God's Word. And I want to take this opportunity uh, to thank you as a congregation uh, for your prayers and your practical support uh, for the students of the college. And I know that entering into college the same day as our brother Jonathan, you have been praying for him and the other uh, fellows that have come from this church into the college. And I just want to thank you for taking all of the students upon your hearts and for praying for us and supporting us. And your ongoing prayerful support will be much appreciated as we look to the Lord as to where he would have us to be. Just to give you a little brief update, um, in my final year of college, I was placed uh, in Tandragee, and the Tandragee session have uh, very kindly decided to keep me on, so I'm still doing uh, a day or two's visitation with them and getting some opportunities to preach, and I'm currently working uh, a job as well. So we're kept busy preaching every Sunday, and we're very thankful to the Lord for his uh, goodness and his grace and uh, we'll just see what happens in the future and we know that everything's in his hands and as for God the psalmist says his way is perfect Romans chapter 1 please and as you see there we're going to read uh, from verse number 8 down to verse number 17 and the word of God says in Romans chapter 1 at verse 8 first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles." I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then if you could turn over, please, to the little epistle of Jude, before the book of Revelation. Commencing to read at verse number 1 of Jude 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you, and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. And then down to verse 17, please. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some having compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. And we know the Lord will bless this public reading of his word to each and every one of our hearts for the Saviour's sake and glory. Amen. Let us bow in prayer, please, before we come to consider the Word of God today. Our Heavenly Father and Eternal God, we once again continue on in thy thrice holy presence in the Saviour's precious name. And Father in heaven, we thank thee for the privilege that we have to bow before thee, to be able to be in the house of God this morning among the people of God, and Lord, to come now around the Word of God. And Father in heaven, we acknowledge that we 
at times take for granted the privileges that we have. But Lord, we pray now that we would not. We pray that, Lord, thou wouldst come and meet with us afresh by the power of the blessed Holy Spirit. I pray that, Lord, thou wouldst be pleased to take away every distracting thought from our minds at this time. Take away any tiredness which anyone may have. Help us, I pray, to focus upon thy word, what the Spirit would have to say to us from thy word this morning. And I pray that everything that would be said would redound to the glory and honor of the Savior alone. We pray with the Apostle Paul that in all things the Savior himself would have all the preeminence. And we do pray, O God, that thou wast, uh, help us to focus upon thy word for this little time. I pray that, Lord, thou wast empty me of self and of sin. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Again, O God, I confess my utter inability. I confess my utter unworthiness for this great task. I thank thee, O God, that my sufficiency, it is not of myself, but it is of thee, O God. And so I pray that thou wouldst help me now to bring thy word. And may my Savior be glorified and honored. Hide me far behind the cross, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, I humbly ask and pray all these things. Amen. Amen. I want to consider with you for a few moments this morning, or today, uh, a couple of verses from the little epistle of Jude which we have read. And that is the uh, title of my message this morning. We're thinking about that, so no doubt you can guess what verse we'll be considering, especially this morning. But as I was considering the fact that today is Reformation Sunday, and I was considering what to speak upon today, my mind was drawn to these words in Jude's epistle. Now, I had been thinking about them some time ago, but as we have been thinking or that we know today is Reformation Sunday, and we did read there from Romans chapter 1, verse 17, how that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said that the just shall live by faith. And that's what I want to consider in my message. We're thinking about the faith, the faith which Martin Luther discovered that he could not be justified or right in the sight of God by his own religious uh, his own religious works. We know that Martin Luther, that Augustinian monk, he put himself through a lot of suffering and torture in a bid to try and earn favor, to earn peace with God. And of course, we know that all of his, uh, all of those things he afflicted upon his own body brought him no peace, but they in turn caused him to hate God because he sought to please God. He sought to earn favor with God by his own works. And brethren and sisters and friends here today, our good works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Our good works cannot achieve or earn or merit eternal life or peace with God. But when the Holy Spirit had opened up to Martin Luther's understanding, those tremendous words of Romans 1:17, how he rejoiced and the great truth which he had just discovered, which he had learned, that it was not through what he could do in a religious sense, but it was through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done that he could have peace and he could have that assurance of God's salvation. And so upon discovery of that truth, Martin, that monk, set about to declare this truth. He sought to be a defender and a preacher of the Word of God. He had turned his back upon the errors 
and the heresies of the Catholic Church and sought to be a man of the Word of God. Now, of course, we know that that brought him into direct conflict with the authorities in, and the hierarchy in the Catholic Church at that time. But despite the opposition that he faced for his stand for the truth, he sought to contend for the faith. And right throughout history, there have been men and women who have sought to contend, to stand for the truth of God's Word. And this is a stand which we, we need to take today, no matter how young or how old you are in the faith today. I trust that this Word will be a challenge, not just to the preacher's heart, but to your heart in the congregation or watching online today. So for a few moments, I simply want to consider with you Jude's timeless exhortation for Christianity. Jude's timeless exhortation for Christianity. And the first thought I want to draw to your attention is the background to this exhortation. If you look with me to verse 4 of Jude 1, and it says there, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're told Jude, he says here, or he confesses himself to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Verse number one tells us that. And he declares that he is also the brother of James. Now we know that this proved the fact that Jude and James were both half-brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said, he identifies himself there as the servant of Jesus Christ. Now that word servant there simply signifies to be a bondman or a slave. You think about that for a moment. Here was a man who considered himself to be a slave to Jesus Christ. I wonder if that is what you would consider yourself to be as a Christian this morning. Would you consider yourself to be a slave to Christ? In other words, that Jesus Christ is your master, he is your Lord, he owns you because he has redeemed you with his precious blood, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, he has bought your freedom. He has granted unto you that eternal life. He has reckoned unto you his righteousness, that righteousness that you did not have in the first place. And we see here that Jude, by referring to himself as a servant, he did not associate or place himself on the same par as the apostles of his day. He took that humble position. And so he writes to these believers here, and he says, to those who are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now, it's interesting to consider these three words. That word sanctified uh, simply has the thought of being consecrated or ceremonially purified in the sight of God. And as Christians here today, no matter what role of service we do for the Lord, we are to be those who are set apart or consecrated unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only are we to be sanctified or consecrated by the Father, but we are to be, and we are preserved by the Savior. And it's that word preserved there simply means to be kept or to attend to, to be careful 
to take care of. Isn't that wonderful to be reminded of the fact that as believers here today, just as in Jude's day, we as believers, we are kept, we are taken care of by our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only are we sanctified, not only are we preserved, but we are called. You think of that day in your life's experience, dear Christian, when the Spirit of God strove with you. When you seen your need of God's salvation, you seen the fact that you were a sinner lost and undone, bound for a crisis eternity in hell. But yet you heard the wonderful message of the gospel, how that Christ Jesus, he came into this world to save sinners, and how he came to save a sinner like you, how he came to save a sinner like me, and how the Spirit of the living God effectually called us unto himself. Oh, yes, we heard the external call of the gospel, but the, the effectual call of the Holy Spirit came to our hearts. And by the work of the Spirit in our hearts, we received those gifts of faith and repentance whereby we were enabled to come and to trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful truth that is. If you're downcast and discouraged this morning, dear believer, that that great fact is that the Lord Jesus Christ takes care of us. I think of the words of that hymn, My Heavenly Father watches over me. I'll trust in God wherever I may be, upon the land or on the stormy sea. For come what may, God makes the way. My Heavenly Father watches over me. And that word called there, it speaks of being appointed or invited to come. And in the gospel, isn't that wonderful to be reminded of the fact that God invites all sinners to come unto himself and how you as a believer have responded to that call in that day and hour of your life's experience. You know, we all love to be invited to parties or to weddings, don't we? We feel special. We feel that, oh, we must be privileged to have this invitation, but there's no greater invitation to receive and to come to Jesus Christ. I wonder, have you come to Jesus Christ? You perhaps are in this meeting house or watching online, and you know the gospel, but yet still today finds you outside of Christ. Today still finds you rejecting him. Oh, bid that invitation to come and to trust in him today. But thinking of the background of this exhortation, why did Jude write to the believers here, exhorting them to earnestly contend for the faith? Well, as we read there in verse 4, it is because of the fact that there were certain men who had crept in unawares to the church. And what did these certain men, what did they seek to do? Well, we read on there in the end of verse number 4, that they sought to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And they sought to deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, false teachers had infiltrated this group of believers. And right throughout the, Old, or the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in his many letters had to uh, confront and to expose the errors of for example, the Judaizers in the book of Galatians who sought to steer the people away from the truth and the simplicity of God's word, the simplicity that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
And those men sought to get the people into bondage, thinking that they had to be circumcised for them to be saved. You know, it's no different today. There are those who have crept in and infiltrated Bible colleges and churches, seeking to compromise and to take people away from the truth and the simplicity of the, the Word of God. There are those who would seek to deny the person and work of Christ. There are those who would seek to deny the sufficiency and the authority of the Word of God. And there's many other ways in which these individuals would seek to corrupt the teachings of the Word of God. But we've read there how they, they, they tried to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They sought to deny the one true and living God. And you know, men and women today, young people, we ought to be on our guard. Because while we are living in a different era, while we are uh, in a different generation, the devil is still up to his old ways. The, the devil still wants to take believers and churches away from the Word of God. And sadly, that has happened to many in our province. They have compromised, they have watered down the Word of God. And yet that is the very reason why you are sat in the Free Presbyterian Church today. How that this denomination was brought into being by the mercy and grace of God to stand for the preaching of Jesus Christ. To stand for the authority of the Word of God. We have no other rule of faith and practice today but the Word of God. And Paul in writing to the church at Galatia, if you turn with me to Galatians 2, please. Galatians chapter 2 and the verse number 4. Just as Jude had to contend with false teachers, so Paul had to as well. And he says there in Galatians 2 and verse 4. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our, our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. You see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to bring the believer into bondage. Sinner, he wants to keep you in your spiritual bondage. And yet, the only one who is able to give us liberty, to set us free, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And while, as our brother made mention in his uh, announcements, how that the devil would like to rob us of our song, praise God, he cannot rob us of our salvation. But he will do everything and anything within his power, limited that it is, to rob you of your joy, of your salvation. That's what happened to David. And David said in Psalm 51, to restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. But I want you to notice with me the condition of these men. It says there that they were ungodly men. And that speaks of every one of us in our natural state. Before we were uh, converted to Christ as believers, we were ungodly. We were lost. We were undone. We were condemned before God. And John Gill, the commentator, says about uh, this phrase, ungodly men, he says that they were destitute of the fear of God. They were, uh, they were godless. They didn't worship God sincerely and had given up themselves to sensuality and therefore their condemnation was just. You see, these uh, men in Jude's day 
We're taken up with the sins of the flesh. And you and I know very well that we're living in days where that is on the rise. You don't need me to go into details about that this morning, but we know very well and we see it very clearly. It's promoted even right up to the very heights of power, all these sins of the flesh. It was no different in Jude's day. And what these men sought to do was that they sought to make the grace of God an excuse for their sinfulness. Yet grace is not an excuse to sin. It's not a license to sin. It is a, a, a means whereby we are enabled to live unto God and unto righteousness. But we see here not only their condition, that they were ungodly men. They weren't men of God at all, but they were men of the devil. But we see there their conduct, that they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Paul said in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? You see, brethren and sisters, grace is not a license to do whatever we want. Grace is not a license to live whatever way we want, thinking that we can just come and live whatever way we like and that God will forgive us. You see, if we have been saved by grace, we will be kept by grace because God's grace is sufficient. And whatever need you have this morning, dear believer, seek the Lord and bring it before him because the grace of God, praise his name, it is greater than our sin. And the grace of God will never lead us outside the truth and the, the authority of the word of God. But not only was their conduct to turn God's grace into lasciviousness, or that means to, to give up to lustfulness or immorality. And that's what people want to do today. They want to bring the immoral who are in that lifestyle to come into the church and to be full members and communicant members of the church to marry such individuals today. But yet the Bible is totally silent on that practice. The Bible tells us that marriage is, be is between one man and one woman. The Bible clearly tells us that gender, there is only two genders in this world, male and female, and yet society would have you to believe different. Society would have you young people to conform to what they believe. But young people, take a stand for what God says in his word. And while the pressure is upon you, especially today, to conform to what the world wants you to conform to. Let every one of us be believers here, conformed unto God's word. But not only did they turn God's grace into lasciviousness, but they sought to deny the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, the ungodly want nothing to do with Christ. That's why they don't want anything to do with salvation. They don't want anything to do with their sin being taken away. They, want nothing to, to, they don't want to hear anything about the precious blood of Christ. And that's why it's vital that we stand and make much of the blood of Christ. And while many seek to sideline or silence the blood of Christ, we're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be turning away from the truth that redemption, that salvation is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You see, these men, they sought to deny the Trinity of the Lord. They sought to deny the Sonship and the deity of our Savior. And those are very serious matters. And that's what the devil has sought to try to compromise on and to water down and to depart from right throughout church history. If you take the time and look into that for yourself, you will see that even in the not-too-distant past in this province, how there was men within the Presbyterian church sought to deny the Trinity. But we thank God for the stand of Henry Cook at that time and other men who stood for the Trinity of the Word of God, or the Trinity of the Godhead. And as we have thought about the background, and perhaps maybe a little more lengthy this morning in this first thought, Jude had to write to these people because ungodly men had come in like a flood. And so we must be on our guard. If anybody comes and preaches anything which is contrary to the Word of God, we are to reject it. I think of the examples of of the Bereans in the book of Acts, where they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. But secondly, we have the exhortation itself. And verse 3 tells us there, and it is particularly those words, to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now that we've noted the reason for the background to the exhortation, we notice here how it was to be carried out. They were to earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, they were to give themselves wholly. They were to exert themselves to intense effort by striving to gain or to keep something. And brethren and sisters, this is something every one of us, right from the very youngest believer here to the oldest saint in this meeting or watching online, we are to earnestly give ourselves to make that effort to strive to contend for the faith. And this is an exhortation for every one of us. Because every one of us as believers here this morning have a responsibility to live for Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a responsibility to stand for the truth of God's Word. As I said, because it is our only rule of faith and practice. It is our only sure foundation today. It is where we get our doctrine. It is where we get our practices. It is where we get our beliefs. We don't get our beliefs from the opinions of men or the traditions of a church, but we get our beliefs and our opinions and our doctrine right from God's Word itself because it is inspired, it is inerrant, it is infallible, and praise God it is His living Word. And how are we to contend We are to give ourselves wholly to it. You know, you may not be able to be a preacher. You may not be able to be somebody who is standing up at the front. You may not be somebody who is able to play a musical instrument or work the technology. But brother or sister this morning, this is something which you can do. And we will look at that in a a moment or two's time. I want to encourage every one of you here this morning because this is something every one of us has a part to play. Every believer, every communicant member in this congregation has a part to play in this. Jude wrote to them about the common salvation, and that was the salvation that is shared by all believers. You see, every one of us as believers here this morning, we are all one in Christ. There's not one of us who is more righteous in the sight of God than another believer. 
We all have that same uh, standing in Christ. We all are justified by the same faith, by the same blood of Christ, by what he has done for every one of us. There's no hierarchy of believers here. We are all one. We are all on an equal plane. We all have that same standing before the Lord. And so we all have that responsibility to keep the unity, to work at this contending for the faith. You see, God's salvation, it is very clear and simple to the facts of God, of man, of sin and of salvation. And we don't want to complicate or seek to complicate the message of the gospel. Because as we said, Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners. There you and I are identified as the sinners. But he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You and I, sinners, praise God he did that. And what is at the heart of this exhortation? It is the very faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now what is the faith that Jude refers to here? Well, it is the doctrine of the faith. It is the teachings of God's word which they had received and which now were under attack from these ungodly and wicked men. As I read a few moments ago from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 17, that the just shall live by faith, we could sum up faith using this acrostic. Faith, F, forsaking, A, awe, I, T, trust in him forsaking all I trust in him. Are you trusting in him today? Have you surrendered your all onto the altar for him? Has the Lord Jesus Christ, does he have all of your heart? Are you saying to him, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee? You see, Martin Luther, when he discovered the truth of the fact that he was right before God because of what Christ had done, because of the faith That is something which we need to defend. That is something which we need to earnestly contend for today. Just as he, in his day, faced opposition from the Roman Catholic Church's hierarchy, you and I, and any church which seeks to stand for the Word of God, will face opposition. We will face the mockings. We will face the rejection of society, the laughs and the scorns of individuals. But that doesn't matter because it was no different in his day It was no different in the Savior's day when they rejected him and they rejected his word. But let us be those who seek to earnestly contend for the faith, that truth and that simplicity of the word of God. You know, the question in the shorter catechism, question 86 asks, what is faith in Jesus Christ? And the answer given is that faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered unto us in the gospel. And thus the simplicity of the gospel, that is the simplicity of salvation, that it is found only in Jesus Christ alone, not in religion, not in good works, but in what he has done for us. That is why he cried from the cross, it is finished, because the work of redemption was paid in full. And all the sinner needs to do is to come and believe on Christ and to take him at his word. This faith is what we stand for and we hold to today. It is the Protestant and Reformed faith of our forefathers 
which this church was raised up many years ago to maintain and to guard against any deviation away from it. The departure away from it and compromise of the faith is apostasy. And sadly, many have gone that way and have departed from the truth. And we pray that the Lord will preserve us. We pray that the Lord will keep us true and faithful to his word, that we would not go the way of other churches and have compromised and turned away from the word of God. But there is also here the recipients of this exhortation. For Jude says it was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, it was committed or entrusted to those believers this message of salvation. Now, perhaps when you, you see that word saint there, you think that that's speaking of somebody who's on a higher plane than, than you and I. But it's not. It speaks of every believer, everyone who has been saved by the grace of God. As I said a few moments ago, we all have that same standing in Christ as believers. We are all saints in the sight of God, again, because of Christ and his righteousness. But that word saint there has the thought of being holy. It is most often translated in our New Testaments as holy. So that leads me to ask the question, dear believer this morning, are you holy? Are you seeking to live a life of holiness as a child of God? You know, that's what our calling is. We're called to be holy. Called unto holiness, the hymn writer says, church of our God. And that's what that word signifies there, that a saint is somebody who is holy. Now, I know that we are not perfectly holy, but we should be striving after holiness. We should be striving after a life which brings glory and honor to the Savior. That is a challenge for every one of us here today. Are we holy? So there we've considered, secondly, the exhortation itself. But lastly, and very briefly, there is the outcome to the exhortation. So as we have noted already this morning, we are to earnestly contend for the faith. But practically, how does that look? Practically, how can I earnestly contend for the faith this morning? Well, just a few brief uh, thoughts here from the Word of God. And first of all, Thinking about this, how are we to contend for the faith? We are to know the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ says in John 8, verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm sorry I don't have these points on the the PowerPoint this morning. But to know the truth is, first of all, how we are to contend for the faith. Remember, the ungodly men sought to take the people away from the truth of God's word, And how are we to know and expose error? It is by knowing the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But secondly, there is to walk well before the Lord. Moses says in Deuteronomy 5 verse 33, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. If we're to walk well with the Lord today, we are to obey his word. We're not to depart from his word. We're not to water down his word. We're not to pick and choose parts out of his word which we think are are applicable to us. But we are to take the whole counsel of God and seek by the grace of God to obey it and to follow it. Then thirdly, there is to pray for and support those who handle God's word. Pray for your minister. 
Pray for your elders. Pray for your children's workers, your Sabbath school teachers. And even as parents here, it is your responsibility to bring the Word of God to your children and to your young people. Because how are the young people of of the future to know the Word of God? How are they to expose what is right and what is wrong? To know the difference between the two, it is by knowing the truth. And so we are to pray for those, that they will continue to hold fast the Word of life and to stand for God's Word. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And then lastly, it is to proclaim that truth to others. This is how we are to contend for the faith. It is to declare it and proclaim it to others. And that's what this church has just been doing in the recent gospel mission. But every one of us as believers can have that role in seeking to reach those in our families, those in our workplaces, those wherever the Lord has placed us, seeking to proclaim and to bring the truth to them. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, whenever Martin Luther came to a knowledge of the truth, he sought to contend for the faith. He sought to defend it and promote it with every ounce of his being. Why? Because for him the faith was everything. And sadly, many in Protestant circles today, they would maybe take that title as a Protestant, but they have departed. They want nothing to do with the faith of Protestantism, which is to stand against the errors of Romanism. Let us be those believers who seek to earnestly contend for the faith by the help and power of the Holy Spirit to give our all to strive for the truth of God's word no matter where he has placed us today. And the Lord bless his word to each and every one of our hearts. Our our, our closing hymn today is 539. Stand up for for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory on to victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. 539, and we'll stand and worship the Lord with this closing hymn, please.
thank you for your attention this morning. Heavenly Father and eternal God, we thank thee for thy precious word uh, to our hearts this morning. And I pray that every one of us as believers would seek by the help of the Spirit to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Lord, write this word upon each and every one of our hearts. And we pray that thou wast part us now in thy fear and with thy favor and take us to our homes and safety. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain upon us until the Savior calls or comes again. In his precious name we ask and pray these things. Amen. Amen.